This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is From the Braves Booth. It is episode number 46. It's great to have you with us alongside Joe Simpson and our producer-engineer Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you coming to you from the home radio booth here at Truist Park. We are glad to be home for a while and that gives us an opportunity to bring you another episode of our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Feel free to fire us a message anytime you want, and maybe your question or comment will be read on our next episode. But, Joe, here we are in mid-August and a nice long homestand after a long road trip, sandwiched in between two long road trips, and things have gotten out to a great start, taking two from the Yankees, looking for another one tonight. We'll see the Giants and the Mets on this homestand as well, but it's it's a comfortable lead right now, and 43 games left to be played as we're recording this. And for us, anyway, we're kind of keeping one eye on the field, another eye on what's coming down the road because we're kind of getting to feel it right now. Yeah, that's true, Ben. And I was just thinking myself about how the schedule is stiffening up a little bit, too. Uh, Braves have taken care of business the first two games against the Yankees, but this is still a very good ball club and a scary ball club, New York is. Uh, and then uh, the Giants, who are playing good baseball right now, despite the fact that uh, the Dodgers are running off and leaving everybody out west, uh, and the Mets again. So the long road trip, San Francisco, Colorado, L.A., uh, the L.A. series is going to be huge. It's going to require some good baseball continuing for Atlanta. And um, they, have, they seem to have rebounded pitching-wise out of that lull they were in in the middle of the road trip. Yeah, it's been a really good run for these starters here recently. Let me ask you about this. I remember there was a point in the season, maybe into June, early July, where on the air we had the conversation that the first score that you started to look at that night for the out-of-town scoreboard transitioned from the Mets score, as they had fallen out of place, to the Phillies. And now that the Braves have a, a big lead, currently 12 and a half games over the Phillies, we're still watching what they do every single night. But do you start to find yourself looking at the Dodgers now because that, that race for the best overall record in the National League is at stake? That's definitely it. Um, that's where I would go. And unfortunately, when we're here and they're on the West Coast, we don't get much of a score on right. their game while we're broadcasting. Find out later in the evening. Uh, but definitely so. Uh, I, I still keep an eye on the Marlins. I, I don't know why, but I still like it when they lose. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a, another day off the calendar that we don't have to worry about. Uh, they're not out of it yet, and uh, they 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 get in spurts. The Marlins do, where they're they're playing pretty well. Um, I, I just back to the Braves though. I like where they are. I like what they're doing love their offense you know when other broadcasters when visiting broadcasters national broadcasters are coming around saying that this may well be the best offensive lineup in the history of baseball that that wakes me up a little yeah it's like man i'm getting too complacent i'm getting too spoiled and i haven't checked out the rest of baseball outside of this ballpark and uh and then start to appreciate it even more you know how it is when 
you see somebody who's lost a lot of weight that you haven't seen in a while versus you losing weight. Mm-hmm. Because when it's you, you, you just see the very gradual change. It doesn't look like it comes off. Yeah. But when you see somebody that you haven't seen in a while, you think, wow, that guy's dropped a lot of weight. It's kind of the same thing with it. We see these guys every single day. So it's easy to just focus on the day-to-day and not really look at what's happening in the big picture. Meanwhile, teams that see us from afar or teams that see us every now and then looking, wow, look what this team is doing. Yeah. And, and they, I think they can see that a little bit easier than we can because we see it every single day. So maybe we lose that uh, historical aspect of really what this team is truly doing. Yeah, I mean, this is hypothetical what I'm about to say, but it just seems like every night, okay, uh, Riley, uh, Acuna, and Olsen hit a home run last night. Okay, uh, Rosario, Ozuna, and Olsen hit a home run two nights ago. And you can rip off three or four guys every game that hit a home run. It's not just one guy. Yeah. It's, it's everybody in the lineup is clobbering the baseball. And um, it's just amazing to watch. All right, let me ask you this as a fan, because obviously the most important thing is winning. Win your division, win in the postseason, win a World Series. Nothing's going to top that. But as far as some of these team records or even individual records that the team's in pursuit of, the first inning runs, that could be uh, a new major league high for runs in the first inning. Uh, Home runs for Matt Olson in the franchise record. Um, Home runs for a season by a team. They're on pace to break the major league record for most home runs. Is there one that stands out for you that you're really watching and hoping that that becomes a, a broken record for this ball club? Home runs. Yeah, I, for I the think, team. Yeah, I think when, as a group, when you're hitting that many homers, if you can break the Minnesota Twins record, that speaks volumes about the power up and down your lineup. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to dispel or make light of what they're doing in the first inning because that goes a long way toward helping your starting pitcher, even if they just get one run in the first inning. If they get, if they don't score in the first, I'm disappointed. Yeah, you know, it's like they're averaging the, over a run a first inning this yeah, year. Yeah, it's per like game. it's like, uh oh, we didn't score. What happened? Um, no, I, I think it's the home runs and then the first inning deal. Um, I, w- I would love to see Matt set the team home run record. He's on pace to do that, too, and mm-hmm. lead the league in those two categories. You know, because if the team breaks the team record for homers in a year, that probably means that Matt does whatever yeah. you want him to do individually. Yeah. I would love it if he led the league in homers and RBIs, or, or led, ma- led Major League Baseball in homers and RBIs. We were discussing this the other night. No Brave has done that since Hank in 1957, leading Major League Baseball at homers and RBIs in the same season. He could do that. Uh, My question is, how many is he going to hit? Could he get to 60? That'd be amazing. You feel like he's going to shatter the franchise record, which is 51, set by Andrew Jones in 2005, I believe it is. That's right. And So so that's going to be very exciting to see. But um, there's just so many different things that come up every single night where we think, well, this could be a new major league record for this individual or for this team. That doesn't get old, does it? No, it doesn't. And um, this is such a good clubhouse and such good players. They genuinely like each other. They pull for each other. There's no clicks to speak of in the clubhouse that I'm aware of. Um, they rejoice in the dugout anytime somebody does something good. It's a parade yeah. from one end of the dugout to the other, you know, with high fives and hugs. That part is really fun to watch, too, that how much this team pulls for one another. I was having a conversation with Charlie Morton about that just yesterday. Um, And we were talking about – and if anybody can give you an evaluation 
um, and, and really break it all down, it's Charlie. And he was talking about how, look, we have guys from all over the world on this team. We have all sorts of age gaps on this team. You wouldn't know it because it's not like it's the majority of the clubhouse or it's, it's a handful of guys. It's the entire team that has fun, that loves being together, um, that enjoys the camaraderie that they have, the, the team chemistry that they have. I think no clicks, like you said, that's the perfect way to put it. it it's one click. It's the whole team. Yeah. And uh, winning together – I think decreases those gaps, shrinks those gaps of age gaps or uh, language barriers or anything like that. When you're winning together as a group, that unifies everybody. It does. And while that is part, I mean, it's predominantly because the players and their personalities, but we've got to give a lot of credit to Brian Snitker and his staff too and how they uh, keep that a cohesive group the way they work with the staff, whether it's Ron Washington or EY or Rick Kranitz or whomever it is, uh, it's it's like they're all in a mixing bowl and they've got their little ingredients, whether it's the pitching, defense, or hitting or whatever it might be, but they're all in there together, working together, and they all seem, uh, at least from what I can tell, to get along famously with all the coaches too. Yeah, yeah. I think it goes a long way for those players or those coaches have been there. Yeah. And they play in the big leagues and know what it's like. Let me give you a, a number that you're going to love to hear. Braves have a 12-and-a-half game lead on the Phillies. Would you like to guess how big the lead is for the Phillies over the Nationals out of last place? Yes. 12 games. So the Phillies are closer to the Nationals in the standings than they are to the first-place Braves. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Uh, by a half game. Well, the the Phillies got it down, I'll say, to I think it was nine or eight games during the road trip mm-hmm. when the pitching was really f- stumbling. And I thought, you know what? Here they come. Here come the Phillies. They've got the pitching to back it up. And then all of a sudden they hit a lull. Yeah. You know, they couldn't sustain it. And when you've got a huge lead like the Braves have had, even if you knock off three or four games, it's still a huge lead. Yeah, so it is. So they, they, they can do whatever they do, the Phillies I'm talking about, but then they stand back after winning 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10, and they look, and the lead is what it is. It's like, oh, we haven't really gotten anywhere. And, and all those teams below the Braves can talk about that, especially the Marlins and the Phillies. They have both have, had stretches for a month where they were red hot and lost games in the standings. Yeah, right. I mean, how, how demoralizing must that be? Yeah, well, look at, um, look at the National League West. That was a real good race about two weeks ago yeah uh it was going to be what looked like a three-team race and everybody had their eye on the padres waiting for them to make a move but it was mostly the dodgers giants and diamondbacks well in the last 10 days uh specifically the dodgers have won nine in a row uh and over this 10 game stretch every other team in the west has gone three and seven Mm. so the dodgers have just catapulted forward with a with a good week plus winning nine straight and just buried everybody else now their leads up to i think nine eight is nine games nine games there you go they've they've put those other teams away in a 10-day span yeah they have um they're four and a half games back of the braves right now on the 16th of august uh, for best record in the league and those four games at the end of that road trip that's another thing too that road trip is going to be tough because if you could have your pick I think you'd like to play the Dodgers first. I would. Not for the last four of what's going to be a lengthy road trip. Yeah, I would, especially coming out of Coors Field. Yeah, good point. You know, after a series there and how that can blow up your bullpen, 
um, that's a little risky going into L.A. after Coors Field. Yeah, it is. So that's a glance at the standings, and we do that all year. We look at the standings all year. But, man, this time of the year, it starts to intensify more and more because you can see the finish line. It, it gets more and more in focus every single day to where you start to see actual slots in the postseason field and who's going to be where and who you might line up against and who might be coming to you or you going to them or whatever it may be. And it, it's fun. I, I love it this time of year because you know that – Back in June, you feel like you got a million games left. There yeah. aren't many games left. No, I mean forty-three games. That's not that's 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 spring training plus a week and a half. Yeah, that's right. all it is. That's right. Uh, so it's coming quick. Well, and we we also uh, begin to think about the teams that uh, are likely opponents. Uh, if this all plays out like it did last year, where the Braves have this uh, allotted time off with the best record and winning a division so they don't have to play anybody in the uh, wild card round, uh, advance straight to the division round, you start thinking, okay, who do you want to play? Who would you rather play? Who do yeah. you not want to play? Yeah. And even though uh, this Braves team has set all kinds and is setting all kinds of records offensively, you know how tight things get in the postseason. The pitching's better. You're going to face a team no matter who it is that's got a couple of good starters or they wouldn't be there. Right. They've probably got a pretty good closer, too. So runs become a little bit harder to come by. So you start kind of in your head letting it swim around like, yeah, well, I don't really want to face those guys. You know, even uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's really cooled off. But they're still in the wild card hunt. Right. And um, the Braves have played them six games, I think it is, and every game was a one-run game. That's right. You know, that, it's like, Man, I don't know about Cincinnati. I don't want to have to deal with that again. Yeah. They're a game out of the last wild card spot. They and the Cubs are tied one game back. So as the field stands right now, you got your three division leaders, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Brewers. And then your wild cards, one, two, and three, Phillies, Giants, Marlins right now. So, mm-hmm. And then right outside the Marlins, like I said, the Cubs a game back, the Reds a game back, the Diamondbacks two and a half back. And then it, we kind of hit a cutoff point as the Padres are five and a half games back. But those are three teams right there in Chicago, Cincinnati, and Arizona who are all within striking distance. And, and not that we didn't know this already, but all you have to do, especially in this expanded field with more teams getting in, is get in. Right. Whether you're the last team in or whether you have the best record in the league, who are you October the 1st? And yep. we learned that specifically two years ago because who the Braves were on October the 1st was vastly different from who they were July 1st, August 1st. Uh, and the Phillies would say the same thing last year as they won the pennant. And they under the previous format, they wouldn't even gotten into the postseason. So now with an expanded field, get in, be hot at the right time, and, and anybody could, could move along. Uh, I have a question, and I'm because I'm not sure in my head who plays who. So I'm going to quote this guy, this guy, this buddy down in South Georgia, who'd say, "Joe, let me ask you a question." <laughs> Ast, let me ask you a question, and that's how he started every sentence. Joe, and I, yeah, I'm sitting right here. You just call me by name. I know you know my name. <laughs> let me ask you something. <laughs> Just ask me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ben, let me ask you something. The first two wild card teams play each other. Is that correct? So you, you got three wild card teams. Yes. The, two of them, the two at one and two. One and two play each play other. Play each other. And number three plays the division winner with the worst record, correct. which would today be Milwaukee. That's correct. Okay. So you'd have Miami-Milwaukee playing. Okay. 
and you'd have San Francisco and Philadelphia playing. Okay. So the winner of Philadelphia San Francisco would end up getting the Dodgers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, or is that right? I think that, that's right. And then your last wild card team plus your division winner, which was currently the Brewers and Marlins. Is that who the Braves would get? Yeah, I'm trying to remember I, the Phillies and Cardinals. Because the Phillies and Cardinals last year were two wild card teams, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think the, or did the Cardinals win that division last year. Well, the Padres knocked off the Mets yeah. in the wild card. So the Cardinals were the number three division winner. Yeah. While the Braves yeah, yeah. and the Dodgers. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Pass that along later. But uh, we haven't even talked about the Giants. I, I didn't mention them because we haven't seen them. Yeah. Uh, spring training or otherwise. We haven't seen the Giants. They got a really good bat boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. That was. Uh, the broadcaster guy lost his fantasy football league championship. He finished last, so he had to be the bat boy the other night. That was <laughs> Dave that Fleming. Was, that was cute. Uh, but the Giants, they can run some pitching at you. Yeah, they can. And a short series. Yep. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. We'll see them firsthand, though, coming up. Let me ask you about this. Ozzy Albies goes to the IL the other day. Nicky Lopez is been amazing comes over from kansas city and he <laughs> might have the hottest four game stretch of his career here lately uh, also vaughn grissom has come up luke williams has come up so you, you could platoon a few guys if you'd like but I, to me i, I think we're going to see more nicky lopez than anybody and defensively it's a, a a great guy to have at second base we saw him turn uh he was he was in on four double plays last night which was great and then his bat's been good so it, it looks like you've got plenty of options of guys who can hold down the fort till ozzy comes back but you got to have ozzy back in there i think he's such a major element to this lineup top to bottom yeah with his power and rbis he's approaching 90 rbis yeah you need him back in there for sure uh but that's why alex anthopolis you know why they put their finger on nicky lopez just for this type of possibility you know they didn't know ozzy was going to get a hammy uh and have this happen but you knew that there were going to be some days off coming for some of these guys, just like there was for Orlando Arcia in New York. You know, Arcia was struggling a little bit on the road trip, got a day off. Nicky stepped in, pow, had a big game. Uh, so he's capable. Uh, I don't, I'm sure other organizations knew about Nicky Lopez. I didn't know anything about him. And I'm proud of our guys and our, our scouts and everybody else for saying, this yeah. is a guy that would fit in. Yeah. By the way, I got your answer here. If okay. the postseason ended today, the winner of Phillies Giants is who the Braves would get. Oh. The top overall seed will face the winner of the four and five. So that there's no chance of, of playing a division winner. Correct. So and the Dodgers would get the winner of the Brewers Marlins. Got it. And that's how that would go. So one gets the winner of four and five, two gets the winner of three and six. Got it. Okay. And that's how that would work. Good deal. Yeah. Um, what else? Let's talk about uh, the bullpen. You know, I I've been pretty hard on the bullpen. Uh, I've said you know we got to get some guys back. I I heard last night that we we might get Jesse Chavez back pretty soon. I hope so. He's such a vital part of the team and of the pen. Uh, and Dylan Lee is very close to getting him back, and that's going to calm some things down too. But having said all that, you know, the bullpen as a whole, it's, it's got one of the best ERAs in baseball. Right. I think maybe second to these Yankees. Uh, I haven't been paying enough attention, <laughs> obviously, to the ERA. I see other things right. uh, that maybe bother me a little bit. 
uh, but they're really doing a good job. They really are. And um, I, 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 I don't mean to sound surprised when I say that. No, and but I, I think what you're getting at is, this is how I take it, is you've had multiple names who have been out with injury. So when that happens, I think the expectation is, is for the performances to drop. And, and there have been some nights. There's no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. Um, but all together, I think you feel good about what they have accomplished, and I think you feel really good about what they could be this time of year with everybody healthy. I think having Dylan Lee back in there would go a long way. Iglesias has been very, very good. He's been nails. Yeah. He is, you, can't, you can't say anything negative at all about Rysel, and he's taken the ball three days in a row mm-hmm. in one clip. And, you know, the absence of some of the guys has opened up some more uh, leverage situations for guys like Joe Jimenez. And with the exception of giving up a run here and there, I think Joe has really stepped up, too. Yeah, I think he's going to get some big eighth inning outs in the postseason and down the stretch. Yeah. Pierce Johnson's been awesome since yes, he's he, come over. I mean, you yep. can tell he wanted to get out of Denver. Same thing with Brad. Um, I mean, it, it, that's twofold. Number one, you're leaving a last-place team. Number two, you're leaving Colorado. It's going to yeah. be a lot easier to right. make your stuff move when you get out of there. And, and they have answered – um having aj back is really really big i think kirby i was talking to kirby today about his splitter and and he feels like consistency wise it's been more consistent than where he was even as recently as two three weeks ago Hmm. and he said he's still looking for that and that kind of consistency and he's used a couple of different grips with that splitter just trying to find it where he can really have it rip off that index finger and make it do what he wants it to do but he, he said he felt encouraged with the swings and the misses that he's gotten here in the last couple of weeks compared to where he was even three, four weeks ago. Yeah, and that's what you need in the postseason for sure is a yeah. lot of swing and miss stuff. Uh, and then the absence of guys, you know, Yankees, are run, every guy they run out of there, uh, just like the White Sox, every guy's throwing 97 to 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Braves have some hard throwers, some mid-90 throwers, but they don't have that 97 to 100 uh, stable of guys yeah so uh, swing and miss becomes very vitally important later on I, I think that's where Kirby's splitter comes into play AJ's stuff can be swing and miss stuff when his changeup is on and he's able to throw that fastball and locate it mm-hmm. uh, for strikes definitely the case um, for Pierce Johnson and his curveball good power curve and of course for Iglesias who's got a full arsenal of stuff yeah. and I, we've talked about this before. I love what he's done with the fastball here lately because it's a good changeup, good slider. But, man, when he's pumping in 96, 97, that's when you say that's the kind of closer stuff that you want to see. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, just to wipe out yeah. breaking ball, and that changeup is super. Yeah, and um, Jimenez. Jimenez will give you swing and miss stuff too. Yes, he will. All right, way to go bullpen. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to touch on before we dive into these questions? I've got uh, a yeah. novel here. I want to – I want to – throw a some kudos to Winans yeah and what he did in New York after a rocky start even a second inning that wasn't all that great he pitched through it and the look on his face never changed he was kind of at the end of an inning he'd slap his own glove like all right got that I, I made a good pitch got out of that left some guys on base I just love the way he pitched because it was a little bit old school uh, sinker, slider, change up, you know, throwing strikes, trying to get ahead in the count, uh, making them hit his pitch, going to locations uh, in the strike zone or a little out of the strike zone to get some swings, you know, uncomfortable swings from hitters. Mm-hmm. Wasn't blowing anybody away. 
I say that he struck out how many? Yeah, nine or ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't because he was trying to. His ball was moving all over the place, and in the first inning, when he was walking some guys, he just couldn't he couldn't get it in the strike zone because it was moving all over the place. Yeah. And then he got that release point down and hit his marks. And I think he's going to be a valuable part of this team. I do too. Getting through that first inning, once he got past those walks, that's when the strikeouts started. I think it was nine strikeouts. Yeah. And he, he didn't really get challenged after that first inning. No. no. And that he showed tremendous composure for anybody, but especially for a guy making his second major league start. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look forward to seeing more of him. If you like Max, the last couple of starts, his his first start in Chicago was unbelievable. Crazy. I, I don't know how he did that. Yeah, you could tell, and I expected what we saw in Pittsburgh to be what we saw in Chicago. Was yeah. it Pittsburgh or New York? Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh. it was. Where it's just some rust there, and um, that, that's to be expected. His last outing the other night, game one versus New York, tremendous stuff. I, I just see a, a little bit of a. A ladder here. He, he's yeah. everyone's getting a little better. He may have dropped down a, a rung on the ladder in Pittsburgh, but he's going back up that ladder to be where to be Max Freed again. He's still the guy one on the mound game one. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Me too. I mean, and, and I know Spencer's doing amazing things, and Spencer's going to lead the league in strikeouts and all that. But Max is to me, he's leading the parade, and here comes Spencer game two. You want to talk about a totally different look for opposing batters? Those two guys games one to game two. That is a real nice one too. It is. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com. J. Chad's going to come down and join us for some of these questions, and um, we will start to fire away with some of these. Here's a good one. This is from Tanner in Huntsville, Alabama. Ben Joe and Mr. Jonathan Chadwick, what is the best brawl y'all have seen while calling a game? And, Joe, what is the most memorable bench-clearing incidents of your playing days? That's an easy one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. It is easy. Uh, it was a horrible fight in double-A. That wasn't in the big leagues. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you were going to go the George Brett route. Well, that really I, wasn't really a brawl. That wasn't a, a, a team on team fight. Uh, but I was involved in a in Quebec City. Uh, I was in a fight. We were in a fight with the Expos AA team, and it was sleeting. It was so cold. It was in April, so it was a horribly bitter day. And there was bad blood from the year before from the Florida State League with the same players, their players, our yeah. guys, and it carried over. And um, Larry Parrish, who was an all-star to be third baseman for the Expos, he suffered a broken jaw. We had a pitcher who had both of his front teeth knocked out. Uh, There was another guy that got knocked cold that had to be uh, gurneyed off the field that one of our guys popped. Uh, it was it was a full on street brawl, and it Man. was it was scary. It was the worst I was ever involved in. Goodness, well, what we saw the other night in Cleveland and Chicago, Ramirez and Anderson, that was that was amazing. I, I don't know, you know, and that happened in Texas with Odor, yeah, and uh, Batista, and and Batista. That those are the only two I can recall. That's not true, uh, but the two that come to mind quickly that 
just immediate fistfight. Yep. I mean, it just broke out in a fistfight. And connecting. Yeah. Uh, I saw, uh, I wasn't there, but I know Greg Nettles slid hard into uh, George Brett one time at third base, and it was on. Yeah. Uh, George just mounted him. <laughs> I, I was so jealous of Hammy the other night, uh, getting to call that that fight. Oh. And, and Tom did such a great job with the play-by-play of that, the best part. of that fight. And uh, I was like, man, I'd love to do that one day. And, and he was fantastic. So good. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Joe. Welcome. Thank you. By the way, Tanner, uh, the question that just came from him, you see how he addressed me as Mr. I think he was uh, the guy last episode or two episodes ago that said gentleman and JC. Oh. So, thank <laughs> okay. you, Tanner. All right. All right. Uh, from Lisa, speaking of J. Chad, Lisa wants to know, I'm curious if J. Chad has started to prep for his half inning in game 162. Oh. <laughs> he was talking about it the other night. The answer is no. Um, you know, if it happens again in game 162, whatever falls out of my mouth will be what it'll be. You know, you know, now that I'm thinking about this, you know what I really want? I want Matt Olson to hit home run number 60 of the year with you at the microphone. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, last year when it happened to Miami, it may have been the quickest half inning in the history of baseball. No question. Well, and you also made some history that you, the Braves were tied and they had the lead, though. You said 3-3 three, three Braves. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was happening so fast. Yeah. I love it. Uh, this is from Jason. This this touches on something we discussed the other day. He says, Ben, come on, my friend. You can't leave me hang, hanging on your chomping at the bit story. What's the correct way to say it? That's from Jason. You hear people say all the time, he's, he's chomping at the bit. Yeah. That originated, it's a horse, um, it's horse lingo. The, how it started is champing the bit. That's the actual, that's what you call when a horse has the bit in his mouth and he's eager to go and he's chewing on it. They call it champing the bit. And you can understand over the years people have heard that and said it wrong and it's obviously acceptable now to say chomping at the bit. But the original phrase started as champing the bit. That's what a that's what it's called, and a horse has the bit in his mouth, and he's ready to go. So we got right. into that the other day. I need okay. to get a bit to put in your mouth Oh, you, in case you, I need to you need jerk a, you a little bit. need to get a ladder to come reach my mouth. <laughs> I like this one. It's from Danny. If you guys had the power to add one player to the Hall of Fame, who would it be? Del Murphy. Yeah, that's a good call. Um Dale Murphy, I'm not going to pile on there because – I feel the same way, but since you said, Dale, I'm going to add another guy. You folks, you younger kids, look up Veda Pinson. Mm-hmm. Look one. up Veda Pinson. 2,800 career hits. Uh, led the league in stolen bases, triples, and just had great years for the Cincinnati Reds. He was overshadowed a little bit by Frank Robinson on that 61 World Series team that the Reds had. But Veda Pinson was one of the fastest, if not the fastest, runner in baseball. He had power. He was an outstanding outfielder. And he had 2,800 hits. I, I, that's way more – dang it, I can't think of his name. Who played for the White Sox predominantly that went into the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. Louis Aparicio? No, just recently. Uh, uh, Frank out, Thomas? Outfielder, first baseman, left-handed. Oh, Harold, Harold Baines. Harold Baines. Harold Baines' numbers pale yeah. in comparison. How he got in before some of these guys. Al Oliver's another guy. I was, that's who I was going to say. But he's he had like twenty nine hundred hits. Yeah. I want to say. Look up Al Oliver. He needs to be in there. All three of those guys. Yeah. Mur- Murph and those two guys. I'd take any of them. Yeah, that's a really good one. 
uh, and, and it's a it's a conversation that I feel like is happening more and more. And, and nothing against some of the careers of guys that we have seen go in recently, but uh, I think with the addition of Harold Baines and Scott Rowland, people are saying, okay, well, if, if these guys are in, what about this group of players? And I think some of the guys that we just mentioned, especially Merv, right there towards the top of that list of, well, if they're in, what about these guys? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I see that video. We talk about this quite often that, that runs every night right after the national anthem here. And it highlights great Braves players, including uh, Nuxi and Chipper and the big three and everything. But it also mentions Murph right away. And I, every time I see that, it hurts me a little bit that he's not in the Hall of Fame with all these other guys that get mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I love that video. Yeah, boy. So good every night. On a scale from Tim, on a scale of 1 to 10, how freaking hot is Lauren Jabara in person? <laughs> she's gorgeous. There's no doubt about that. And But she's she's so much fun to hang around. I mean, she's traveling with us and a uh, great personality and a good addition and extremely talented. Just does a great job on television. Well, she's a 10, but she's about a 20 in personality. Yeah, good point. All right, here's one that, that uh, J. Chad can answer. Have you guys been playing pickleball since the last episode? That's from Grant. Absolutely. Got to play in Chicago on the off day, a little park down from the hotel, play with some of the uh, Brave staff, had a great time. We're Who's really good from that crew, by the way? Uh, Franco Garcia. He can play, huh? Uh, he can play. Uh, Patrick Patrick O'Brien, who's the team nutritionist, he was really good. And uh, Jared Burleson, uh, media relations, he's got a pretty, pretty mean serve. Um, and Jonathan Kerber was out there with us. Uh, Didn't they say the that Kerber team travel? thinks about quitting every time he plays? That's what Franco so said. Franco said, Franco and I were running the court. Yeah. Um, but, he, yeah, Franco said that every time Jonathan Kerber plays, he mentions that this is the last time he's ever going to play. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps coming back for more. We were supposed to play in New York. There were some courts in Central Park. Wow. Uh, Sunday, since we had a night game, did not happen. Was kind of disappointed about that, but we're off tomorrow, so I'll be going to play. Yeah, where are you going to go? Over Marietta? Yeah, Marietta Rec Center. Good. Oh, well, I mentioned Lauren, or the guy asked, is Lauren Jabara on a 1 to 10? Yeah. Well, this is from Lauren, who wants to know, who has the biggest biceps in the booth? <laughs> <laughs> That's a no-brainer. Uh, it's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, best meal on the last road trip. That's from Art. Uh, probably Gibson's. Yeah, I had a couple good ones in Chicago. We're there for four nights. Yeah. So you know, that with, sushi place though. With three day games, we found a sushi place. I forget the name of it. Around the corner from the hotel, uh, I was in there three times. Um, wow. Sushi was really good. Uh, the Otoro. Oh the, man, the that was fatty so good. tuna was really good. Gibson's was wonderful. One night went to Chicago Cut with a big group of people. Um, interestingly enough, I had fish that night. At Chicago Cut? Yeah, because I'd had steak the night before. Ah, I see. So, uh, Jeff Francoeur, he got some uh, Dover sole. Mm-hmm. I had salmon. But um, we had a, we had a beautiful table right on the right on the river. So, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of that sushi restaurant. Like Started just, with an M. Yeah, it's like... Marai or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, really, that place really was good. awesome. Oh, uh, let's see. When you guys aren't working, 
and Joe, Darren, Peter, Nick, Kelly, etc. Are do you keep in touch with each other? That's from book uh, from Brooke. Uh, we do uh, a lot. I mean, we have we have multiple text chains. We have one that the three of us are on, which we blow up all the time, whether we're all working together or we're not. Uh, we have other text chains with you know whoever is is working with us for that series or that trip. So yeah, we're constantly talking about the team and the travel and all that darren texted us last night yeah he's actually coming to the ballpark gonna stop in and say hello this afternoon good good that's great and there are times where when i'm home i read or see something that it pertains to the game whether it might be a record or the last time it happened or something that i try to send the guys to in case they uh weren't provided that information uh, here's one for you, JC. How long does it take for you to set up the equipment? That's from Brian talking about the setup process and how long the whole process is. Uh, start to finish, I'd say probably an hour and a half. Uh, a lot of times what I started doing this year, when we get into a city, as long as it's not 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll go ahead and go over to the ballpark. For example, uh, I couldn't do it when we went to Chicago because when we had the off day, the Cubs played the Pirates, but – when we got into Pittsburgh on that Sunday night, I went ahead and went over to the ballpark right then with Rob Smith, the Braves video coordinator. He has a huge setup in the video room in the clubhouse. It takes him a long time, and he needs to be able to have that stuff ready when guys get there early the next afternoon. So I'll go um, a lot of times, more than half the time the night before. Some people think I'm crazy for doing that. Uh-huh. Uh, but it allows me to have more time the next afternoon and it's the difference between me taking a one o'clock bus and a 330 bus so i like to go ahead and knock it out make sure everything got to the next city safely and, and intact and uh, i want to know it works and so i do that and yeah to answer your question about an hour and a half what about to to break it all down maybe an hour no 30 minutes 30 okay because you know i gotta pack and yeah everything has a place in my trunk so uh, get you guys out of the way, break it down, and then get going. Start packing. Yeah. Since we're being beaten over the head with the players-only broadcast on the TV side, I'm curious if you guys would ever do anything like that on the radio side. Now, this is from Brandon who asked that question. Is is that our Brandon who wants to come over here when he's not doing TV and they take his booth? I'm confident it is. <laughs> I'm going to say it is. Uh, he's probably tired of it just like everybody else. Um, but, uh, Brandon, you're welcome over here on our side anytime you want. Brandon Godden, you can come over here, leave everybody else behind. <laughs> yeah. If we're going to do a players only broadcast and say Ben had to take the night off, then Joe could very adequately handle the play by play duties for non Yeah, because we have a former player who can do play by play. They Correct. do not. Um, I would say this, though. If Joe was not here, then my vote would be no because uh, radio is vastly different from TV. At least on TV, when those clowns are over there doing the game, <laughs> you can see what's going on. Right. On the radio side, there has to be a lot of descriptive things that happen and uh, probably be a disaster without someone doing oh. play-by-play. Oh. Yeah, captain. Yeah. Guy of the ship. Uh, when can we expect Dylan Lee back? Sounds like any day. That's from Ron. I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. I like this one because I've seen this before, and I'd love if we did this here. Ben and Joe, 
Has there ever been any consideration from the Braves to offer devices like the live sports radio earpiece that is currently offered at most all SEC football stadiums and many other live sporting events? I have one of these devices that I take to every Bama football game. Being able to listen to the game with no delay inside the stadium adds so much to the game and so much to the experience. I personally bring my FM transmitter to every Braves game, but it gets a little aggravating due to the delay and the static. That's from Byron in Red Bay, Alabama. I have seen Byron uh, teams, and like you mentioned, I've seen a lot in football where that is a provided service where fans can, I don't know if they buy those devices or if they rent them or how that works. be really cool if you could just plug in at your seat. Now, that would be awesome. Yeah. Bring your own earbuds. and Yeah. That would be really cool. I didn't even think about that. But I I would love it, and that's something that we can ask uh, the powers that be come the offseason because I I think that would be pretty cool to have that service here for people who are in the stadium and could listen to the broadcast in real time. That would be fun. Here's a good one from Aaron. When are the Braves finally going to do a Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad bobblehead? Aaron, I'd say that's probably somewhere way off in the future because, you know, typically they give away the bobbleheads to the first, say, 15,000 people who come to the ballpark. They'd have to make about 100,000, you know, and (laughs) spread it over a weekend because they'd be in such high demand. (laughs) Yeah, they'd have to plan a lot for that, you know. You know, I actually inquired uh, with people that are in the know on this type of thing to do a Ben and Joe bobblehead. Um, We've been to many ballparks where the broadcasters are on bobbleheads, Philadelphia, Tampa, handful of others, and they're really, really cool. Uh, They did the Skip and Pete bobblehead that we have in our booth way back in the day. Um, I'm still hoping that the two of you find your way on one. That'd be fun. It would. Uh, hey guys, this one is for Joe. Have you ever been on either side of a game like the twenty-one to three beating over the Mets, and why do position players sometimes pitch in these games? That's from Luke and Jessup. Yeah, unfortunately, Luke. Um, I remember one game at Turner Field where I think the Orioles were in town for interleague play. I think Cal Ripken went about six for six, and they just beat the tar out of us. And the game seems to go on forever. Unlike when you're on the good side of things and it's just like a merry-go-round watching guys run the bases and it's fun. Why do the position players pitch? Well, primarily to save an arm or two in the bullpen for the next day so that you don't burn everybody up. And uh, more more often than not, every team's got a guy or two who sit, would volunteer to say, hey, I'll, I'll go out there. What we've noticed, though, in the recent years is that I think because of injuries that happen, the position players are instructed, if not warned, do not throw your arm out. Just lob it in there, let them hit it, let's get this over with. So we've seen a lot of EFAS-type pitching from yeah. those guys instead of really letting it go. Exactly what we saw with Danny Mendick pitching for the yeah. Mets. I mean, yeah. throwing like 30 se- I, I think we, we realized that the uh, the gun at City Field doesn't go lower than 37. <laughs> he, would, he threw some that I swear were slower than that and said 37 every pitch. Well, you know, Adam LaRoche's dad was a pitcher in the big leagues, and when he was at the White Sox, he had an EFAS pitch. Did he? Yeah, and (laughs) it looked like a little pop bottle rocket. I mean, he threw it really high. Yeah. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's that's what you'll see, and so much so that they instituted new rules this year. If you're going to be on the losing side, if you're trailing – you have to be trailing by eight or more runs before you put in a position player to pitch. If you're the team that's leading, you have to be leading by ten or more runs 
before you use a position player. Uh, those are new rules as of 2023. Here's one from Travis. This goes back to last night. Ben, Joe, and JC, enjoy the podcast. I'm born and raised Braves fan. I'm on the road through the week, so I get the pleasure of listening to you to you all on the app, no matter what art of the in what part of the country I'm in. I have a question for any of you. Last night, after Sean Murphy got hit again in both calves, one of you talked about how it would affect his speed. So with that in mind, who would win a foot race, Sean Murphy or longtime Brave speed demon Eddie Perez? Thank you. That's from Travis. <laughs> Murphy or Eddie? Ooh. I feel like if he asked Eddie, he would say himself. Eddie oh, would say course. himself. I, I, I don't even want to answer this and have Eddie mount me about how could you pick someone else? Yeah, good point. Senor. Maybe it'd be Eddie. Yeah. Um, boy, that's a tough one to call. You know, Eddie's <laughs> Eddie's pushing. He's in his 50s. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about Sean, but, oh, that'd be a match race. Yeah. That, well, let's just go down there and see if they want to do it. Let's yeah. get them out there on the foul line. Have, right. have them get after it. Greetings, gentlemen. Love the podcast and all that you bring us. Uh, all summer, all summer long, on a nightly basis. Will Joe Simpson call road playoff games this October? Go ahead and answer that one, Joe. Yes, he will. Uh, if not, I'm excited to continue to hear the guest analysts that we've gotten here on the road this year. But he will be there. I really appreciate everything y'all do. Y'all have been my connection to the team on the 680 app, and I live in Huntsville, Alabama. It's miserable being able. Uh, it's miserable being a cord cutter in a Braves blackout zone. That's from John in Huntsville. So, John, uh, once we get into the postseason, it'll be Joe and me for every game. And um, between now and the end of the season, there's only, what, about a half dozen games you're missing the rest of the way? Something like that, yeah. He's missing uh, – This weekend with San Francisco. Ten more games. Yeah. Not that's that not counting. Oh, yeah, that Washington trip. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I forgot about the, yeah. the Ford Washington. That'll be Kelly Johnson. Yes. Okay. We'll have Darren O'Day this weekend. It'll be Darren and myself for the Giants. And then is Darren back for that series in September with the Pirates? The Cardinals. Cardinals. Okay. Uh, here's one, and I hope that Peter, Nick, Kelly, Darren are all listening. Okay? Love the podcast, nightly broadcast. Terrific. Um, and I've noticed that when Joe's working, he gives Ben a, a break, does a couple of innings of play-by-play. But when Nick, Peter, and the others are there, Ben has to do all nine innings of play-by-play. And the question really is for Ben. Is it draining for you to cover all nine innings of play-by-play? And do you look forward to broadcasting with Joe when he covers a couple of innings? And I'll stop there, but there is another question. I, I wouldn't say that it's draining, but I do look forward to getting back because even just those two innings – that you do, it, it definitely feels like a lift, especially after a 10-game road trip. I tell you, it's not necessarily the innings that feels draining on you. It's the pitching changes. Um, it's the lineups, that kind of thing. There are just lots of elements that we, you and I split up that when we go on the road, if you're not there, I'll do most of those elements including the Brian Snitker report. So, and, and it's not, I wouldn't say that it's draining, but it is nice to come home and get to split some of those up a little bit, take a little bit of the load off. So the reason I'm hoping these guys hear this is that they've got to start doing some of that. When I'm not here, they've got to start, they got to pay attention to some of the things I do to take some of that off of you. Uh-huh. 
and how we ham and egg it on when there's a pitching change to give the play-by-play guy a break. Those guys need to understand that there are some responsibilities other than showing up, sitting in a seat, and doing the analytical work uh, as it comes along. They've got to participate more in the actual production of the game, meaning lineups, mm-hmm. meaning drop-ins that we have to read, et cetera, et cetera. Even uh, the post-game read that we do to wrap things up those guys have got to start doing that more to help you out yeah and and nick has taken a good step forward this year and a lot of the uh the pitching rejoins darren started to get comfortable with that on the last road trip i was really good. proud of him good uh when when we would make a pitching change and i think that's the biggest one because think about this when a team makes a pitching change what has just happened a, a team scored a bunch of runs yeah so you're trying to keep up with your book and and catch up really quickly in the short time out and get ready for the new pitcher coming in so i can tell the listening audience about the new left-hander that's coming in yet but also fill in my book for the three-run homer that the team just hit right and and it was good to see darren take a step forward and get a little more comfortable introducing the new pitcher bringing us back from break nick's done a great job of that here on the last probably trip trip and a half i don't give him a lot of credit for that i think nick's gained confidence from his work on tv too uh, when he's just in a two-man booth and realizes he's capable of doing it. He's not shy about it, but it is incumbent upon – I just said incumbent. It's incumbent – You're ready for the first pitch. Uh, hello again, everybody. Uh, on those guys, no matter who they are, to help out, be mm-hmm. part of it, be mm-hmm. part of the production of the, of the broadcast. Here's a really good one, and you got into this a little bit last night, Joe, but this will be uh, an opportunity for you to really say as much as you want. Ben and Joe, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Kevin Brown slash Orioles situation. What he said over a pre-recorded graphic was positive and hopeful, and to be honest, was mild compared to what Skip, Pete, and the TBS guys would say during some bad spots. That's from Ryan. Ryan's right. Yeah. Ryan's right. Um you know, the Yankees are in town. I went over and shook Michael Kay's hand, TV broadcaster for the Yankees, for the things that he said publicly and on the air uh, in his podcast about how wrong it was what the Orioles did to Kevin Brown and how really stupid it was, yeah. how, how narrow-minded and short-sighted it was uh, by either the ownership or the front office, whoever, whosoever responsibility it was, way out of line, and it's embarrassing to them and to their organization for calling them out for it, especially in a year where the Orioles are doing so many wonderful things. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, I thought that – at first I thought I was missing something because yeah. I went back and listened to it. Um, but that kind of thin skin blew me away. I thought it was extremely cowardly uh, of the ownership to, to make that kind of an assessment, uh, to, to, to penalize a broadcaster for telling the truth. Here's the thing. There are listeners and there are viewers out there who deserve the truth. They are putting their time, their money, their effort into your team. They deserve the truth. And if, and we said this the other night, if you're going to keep your broadcasters from mentioning anything that's negative, well, then that's no different than you telling them that they can't say the score if the team happens to be losing. Why right. stop there? Right. It's very hypocritical. It's very cowardly. And to be quite honest, I would have had a really hard time if I were Kevin not going on the air the next go-around and crushing them on the air. I know that would have cost me my job, but I would have felt that strongly about it just because I wouldn't want to work for cowards like that. I want my boss to tell me to tell our listeners and our viewers the truth. That wasn't the first time it happened, right, Right. Jonathan? Their their female sideline reporter did a hit with... In San Francisco... 
a few weeks ago. They were there for a weekend series, and she was wearing, excuse me, a uh, ALS shirt in support of Sarah Langs from MLB, and um, she wore it on the open. So, I've, from what I understand, she changed back into her Orioles polo for the game. But during the open, she was showing her support for her friend. Yeah, and got reprimanded for it and taken off the broadcast for Saturday and Sunday yeah. because of it. Kicked her off because yeah. of that. That's short-sighted, and it just you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Um, you said something a minute ago, Ben, that prompted something about what he said. Uh, for the fans that don't know, he didn't make the graphic. He read the graphic. It was telling the truth. It was struggles that the Orioles had had in Tampa Bay. And one of the first things, if – if I made a, a, a commandment list of things that Dave Niehaus taught me in Seattle was, one of them was, if you tell the truth, you're never going to get in trouble. Yeah. He told the truth and got in trouble. And while Pete and Skip's name uh, were mentioned uh, and some of the things that I've said certainly over the years, you have to tell the truth or you lose credibility with your fans. Yeah. And there's a way to do it. You don't have to beat a dead horse and just harp on some guy's mistake, but you got to point it out. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you do. And um, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't have much respect for the ownership group there anyway, and I really didn't. Now it's just a a beta decision, if you yeah, ask me. It's just a continuation of the things that go on there too. Yeah. What else we have? We got time for a couple more. Oh, I heard you guys mention in New York. Uh, a pitcher being from Slocum, Alabama. I live in Troy, about 50 miles from Slocum. I tell folks I'm from UCLA, upper corner of lower Alabama. <laughs> Go Braves. Really enjoy listening to y'all call Braves games. That's from Benny. Thank you, Benny. We appreciate you being out there. I had one here that I didn't want to let slide by, too, and that was uh, – this is from Jack. Did you guys have a chance to visit with John Sterling and Susan Waldman this week when the Yankees were in town? And if so, what are they like? The answer is yes. We always make a point to try to say hello uh, to our colleagues, when, the, especially an American League team comes to town. Uh, John Sterling's in his 80s. He's 85. 85 years old, still going strong, getting hit with foul balls and everything else. And I asked him about that. I said, have you been hit with any more foul balls? He goes, no. But let me just say, I'm not tough. <laughs> he said, but I was okay. It hit me in the forehead. Susan Wallman is such a – Firecracker. Class, class act, boy. She is a Broadway star, uh, wonderful singer and actress, and a dang good broadcaster. Yeah. Knows her stuff, and uh, just a delight. I love visiting with her. Yeah, it's great to see them. And um, and, and for John, he was here for, what, eight yeah. years? Yeah. Doing Braves and Hawks. Yeah. 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 So he's, he's He was coming, coming to me on Monday, uh, their bus ride – uh, in from their hotel uh, about how much things have changed around here. I said, well, John, it's been 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but right. I, I love seeing him show up to the ballpark every day wearing a full suit, tie, and he's on the radio. Yeah, he is decked yeah, out, the, man. Pocket handkerchief and mm-hmm. everything. All right, I'll wrap up with this one. Hey, Ben, Joe, and Jay, Chad, it's Derek Andre riding in North Platte, Nebraska once again. My mom and dad are taking my brother, wife, and me to the last game against the Rockies on the 30th. My wife has never been to a game, and the rest of us 
have not been since 2000. Wow. I was wondering, is Joe going to be on the road trip? He is. And I'd love to get a picture with all you guys if you have a little time. We can probably make that happen, Derek. We, we look forward to doing that because we do that as often as we can with fans in different ballparks and such. So if you can send me a message on Twitter, that's typically the best way to uh, get in touch with me. When you get into the ballpark, just let us know you're there, and we can line that up from there. And we would look forward to that. And glad you're coming to a game. That would yeah, be awesome. That is awesome. Well, that'll wrap things up for our show, and uh, we'll be doing one of these again. We're going to try to get another one in for the homestand ends? Uh, probably maybe, so next week, yeah. Okay. We could. Very cool. We could always do one on the road since Joe will be. That's true. Then maybe that's what we do. Traveling with us for the first time in uh, like four and a half months. <laughs> yeah. Hang with them. Yep, <laughs> yep. That's what we'll do. So either in San Francisco or, or Denver, we'll get another one in. Till then, hope that you'll tune in tonight. Braves take on the Yankees tonight in the final game of the series. And we'll be here through the next week or so with this lengthy homestand, which has been great. And if you can't make it to the ballpark, hope that you'll tune in on the Braves Radio Network. Till next time, for Joe, for Jay Chad, I'm Ben, and this has been from the Braves booth.